Welcome to Inside the Raven's Eye. I'm your host, Alan Mitchell. My medicine name is Raven's Spirit. This podcast is partnered with Earth and Spirit Medicine, owned and operated by Winfield Ivers. His medicine name is Coyote Thunderhawk. He is a shaman here in the state of Utah, so make sure to visit earthandspiritmedicine.com. In this episode of Conversations with a Shaman, we get into episode 11, Collective Connective. What is Collective Connective? Is all life connected? Connected to what? Has our education caused us to become fragmented by not connecting to Mother Earth and Father Spirit? Have we not been truly educated in the way of spirit, in the way of truly connecting our minds and hearts to the Great Divine? This and so much more in this episode of Inside the Raven's Eye. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Okay, so we are on to episode 11 of Puppet vs. Master. That is Collective Connective. And I remember we were talking about this, I think maybe, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, something like that. And I remember I kept on having the hardest time remembering that. And I was on a hike up Santa Quin Canyon and I kept on saying, is it, you know, I was like connective effective, <laughs> I kept on. but, and then all of a sudden I was like, and then I remembered. So I wrote it in my phone. I said, I'm not going to forget this. And, but then I kind of liked what I was saying. I was like, I want to have that collective connective, but be effective as well in doing that. And I remember I was just like, that's so funny that I kept on saying being more effective because I wanted to incorporate that into my life and thinking about having that collective connective be effective. <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want it to not be, you know, especially if I'm doing it to benefit my life in, in positive, loving ways. And so when you said that, it kind of made me smile. And then when we you know, were saying the prayer before we started, you know, that that little reminder kicked in for me and it was just a really nice, I I liked how I, how it hit me when I was walking out in the wilderness. And like you were saying in that medicine where do nothing, you know, and I, I think that doing nothing, you can get a lot done. And especially being, I, I could just imagine the world taking this method of collective connective in a very positive way and, and realizing it's just like, well, we all need to slow down and do nothing because then we start to have, instead of 50,000 thoughts going on, we just have one and we work on that and we work on the next. And that's what I realized in, in my process of practicing doing nothing is that if I am doing nothing, at least I calm everything down. And then when I kind of start to do something, I, I want to do one thing at a time and because I could be most effective in that. So, um, yeah. So anyways, that just kind of reminded me of so much and uh, about this collective connective, but I will let it, let you take it from here. So the aspen trees, you know, there's, plateau desert plateau not far from here and you know there's a whole placement of all these aspen trees on the top of this plateau 
what they found out was all the roots were connected. It was one living organism, even though it looked like many trees looking like one, or I mean being one. So it looks like many, but it's just one. And it gives it strength. There's a strength in that. that you know, we say strength in numbers. But you can look at different groups of people and see if there's a strength in their numbers or not. Because if they're not in order in themselves and they start collectively connecting with each other, it is just more unorganized thought form and energy coming together and creating a bigger organism of that. That might be maybe what has happened to our earth, our planet, our people, our situations over the last few years mm. <laughs> is that in addressing all the worry, all the fear, all the concerns, all the, oh my gosh, what's going on on this planet? What happened? This has shifted everybody into a thoughtful process, but how effective is that thoughtful process? How much, like you're mentioning, does it need to be broken down to nothing and how the whole collective thought process of fear, I'll say, Okay, the one organism of fear, and that needs to be brought down, you know, and to, like you're saying, stealing the minds. So when each individual starts to steal the mind, and then they can begin to address from a calm place, an innate place, an eternal place, a divine place, a place that allows truth to seep through our very being. And we are able to, in that moment, like you were mentioning one thing, and to be effective with that. It's a lot more than that, though, because when we understand that we are eternal and that we can just be, in a sense, it doesn't mean we don't do things, but we are in a state of being the most optimal energetic field while we do all this stuff. Then we get to be better at multitasking, see? So when I was talking about stewardship in that last episode, and I think I left off at a place where we need to steward ourselves. Let's go inside to that most beautiful unexplored terrain and steward ourselves. I spoke of stewarding uh, like an embankment along a riverside and that... You could take a, a, a view to the right and a view to the left. Over to the right, a natural river environment. Over to the left, I mentioned that it was all decayed for some reason. Maybe an oil spill, maybe something, I don't know. But whatever it was, then we go in and we beautify and we see this happening all over the world people collectively connecting to a cause to say, let's get all the plastic out of the bay. Let's get all the animals out of the oil, out of the ocean. Let's get all the, you know, so people collectively connect to a cause, a reason, and show up in a voluntary effort to beautify. This is good. Mm. Now, 
I think most of those people have never thought about maybe going and taking this internal coursework that says, hey, I'm going to begin to steward myself. But for whatever reason, they were in a present state of mind or in a a kind enough state of mind or in a a collective phase somehow uh, without knowing it in a way to see something needs to be done and to step into action. Okay, so with this stewardship and leaving off on the last episode about stewarding ourselves, beautifying ourselves on the inside, understanding our environment, we have to understand who we are. Because when we walk into the collective connective knowing who we are, and each and every one of us do that deliberately, with intentions that are pure and beyond the human capacity because it is then this innate divine eternal attachment to the divine intelligence. And if you could just close your eyes for a minute and see that every human having a light beam coming out of their head, and if you were to take an eagle's view perspective and look down, you could see it all go and connect to one space. So you can trace it there. It's all going to one place. That's the collective connective. That's when it becomes a massive one, 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 one becoming many, which is the one organism like the example of the aspen trees. So think about puppet versus master. Puppet versus master. So I've been speaking about this collective connective. I've spoken about how our energy, and then we end up with someone else that has a similar energy, and then all of a sudden someone else with a similar energy, and there are all of a sudden a collective group of human beings with a similar energy. And that's like a collective connective, but of what? Of what, okay? And so we want to think puppet versus master. What is this, what is the unseen orchestration going on that's gathering these people together in this lower vibration, lower frequency, disturbed energy collectives. What is this concept of when we hear words like uh, like-hearted, like-minded, when we think of, you know, like attracts like, or we even hear that opposites attract. And so we hear a lot of things out there, but what really is going on when you walk into a, a, a junior high school cafeteria? Just think about that for a minute. Think about, you know, maybe you were in a junior high school cafeteria once. And now if you can think back or just think about going into a junior high school cafeteria nowadays. And you look and you see that there is no communion of all those thousands of kids. There are small little groups of kids that seem to collect together. They might not even know why they collect together. But one of them is usually the so-called 
ringleader, if you will, yeah. or the the uh, one that seems to say something and try and get others to do it with them or propel things, take that current energy field, good, bad, right, wrong, healthy, unhealthy, or otherwise, to this place of expansion. It, it begins to expand in a way. And sometimes you see those kids in the cafeteria through a year, maybe they'll be at one table with a group of kids initially, and then maybe they'll be over at another table uh, later on during the year because maybe something happened with these other friends. They didn't want that. Maybe they moved up an energy field to another group of kids that are operating from a higher level of being, if you will. So if you can imagine right there in that one cafeteria example of junior high school kids, okay, and you imagine, again, that pillar of light coming off of each of them. So you have a little group of four or five over here. And this beam of light is going to one source with all those kids from each of their heads. Okay, I hope you can see this. I hope I'm explaining it in a way that makes sense. Imagine that string, that pillar, that light, that connective from each head going to one place at the top. Who is orchestrating that one? What is orchestrating that one? And how many of those are there of that in that cafeteria? And how many different frequencies and vibrations and energy fields are going on in that same place? And do those kids even know what's up? On an energetic level, do they even know how they're participating in the ripple effect towards this collective connective? So we need to educate our youth about their, their being, their, their energy, their ability to learn how to understand who they are physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually so that they can continually restore those components every day by doing things physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, each day that increase, that expand their overall being to a higher place. This way, we're doing that concept of blowing up a balloon. We're blowing up a balloon. Now, some people say, okay, but you blow up the balloon too far and it'll pop. That's, that's a, a, a real possibility with a balloon. But I'm just trying to use the balloon as an idea about when you start to blow up a balloon and it moves out, it is expanding. It's moving whatever other space, whatever other is there, out farther. It's taking up the space. So when we occupy our personal space and we deliberately fuel ourselves, and I'm talking about educating these kids so they understand they have a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual component factory to work with and what can they do each day towards bettering themselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually and understanding that uh, in that in that great universal pool, that the ripples that they will begin to drop in that pool will be magnificent ripples when they are operating from a conscious, aware state of being already in placement to being a steward, already in placement to not having judgments, criticisms, fears, and all these things that go on in these uh, uh, condensed 
situations that we put our children in called school. And they're not really prepared to do that. You think about if you're a person that goes to work, if you go to work in a place where there's tons of people and you don't like being around tons of people. Okay. So think (laughs) about it. Yeah. And so we want to be able to change all of this is what I'm getting at. We need our collective connective to shift. We need each and every string from each and every person going to the grand master. Okay. And, you know, we need to understand that we are the grand master. And when we understand we are the grand master, somehow we connect to that. And, and you know, I, I say universe a lot. You know, we hear metaverse. We hear, you know, who, who, how macro is it? I don't know. Okay. You know, how many words can we find in the, in the English language to make the universe seem real big? I don't give a crap. Okay. I, I don't, it's just a big, open, vast place of motion, space, and time. And we connect to that when we realize we are that. That's what I'm saying about the Grand Master. And when everyone is working from that same place, that's when everyone can begin to make a huge difference in all of the situations that need solutions and rectifying and possible new approaches and methods to bring ourselves to that way of living on this planet. I hope that made sense because that seemed like a mouthful to me. Yeah, and for me, I was thinking about um, when you were talking about the aspen trees, and it kind of took me back to this experience I had uh, in the Mount LaSalle Mountains. I It was during fall. It was one of the most beautiful experiences I had, and I know that you were just talking about the the school and the cafeteria and how crowded that is and I'm kind of going opposite for for me because I have spent so much time in my own personal life loving to be alone in the wilderness it's kind of what I was saying at the beginning of this and trying to understand I was like hey for this it, it being alone in the wilderness has helped me go into society and be around people because I get to share my experiences of what I've had. And it seems to lend a benefit to even if a person is just hearing it. So why I wanted to share this experience is maybe this would maybe help someone and and having them go out in the wilderness. But it was fall and I was in the Aspens and it was all yellow, everything. It was like all golden. I remember I was taking photographs and there is this huge herd of deer and I was walking through and I didn't want to dis- disturb them and their peace. And I could, you kind of know where it kind of felt like it was their home and it was a beautiful home, like I said. And I was walking and there's this one and there's two behind this really large deer. And I was along one of their paths and it was just like, boom, boom. It was like running. And I remember Spirit said, don't move. And because, you know, I would naturally want to get out of the way. And it was like the pounding hoofs on the ground, just like, bam, bam. And I just remember it was the loudest sound, but it was like, it felt like six inches away from me. It just ran right by me. And it was such a powerful moment for me. And it's something that I'll never forget. And it was, to me, it was really about this collective connective um, 
energy source is, like I said, way different than what you were, well, the example you gave of being in a cafeteria with people and then my experience being out in the wilderness with some deer, but that I felt connected to the deer. People call it deer medicine or whatever. I don't really care. But this being alone in the wilderness, I'm trying to wrap this <laughs> together here. But for me, um, I just wanted to share that experience because I think that there is a connective connection to the wilderness. And for me, that's my go-to of being out there and coming back to society, even being around my coworkers and to be able to share that experience that I had over a weekend. It meant a lot to me, but I can see that it gives them relief just to hear it. And, and I hope that it drives people to want to go themselves and have experiences like that. Because I think that for me, that's always helped kind of have that beam of light, that Mother Earth energy connecting to Father Spirit energy is a way that it's just really helped me in my life. It's helped me be more collective and connective in my life is having those experiences, I guess is what I'm getting at. Well, how do we summarize two mouthfuls? Okay, so I think there's a lot of people out there that would have to really create some time to get out of the city to get to the wilderness, perhaps. A lot of people do create that time. There's the idea also that the wilderness is everywhere. We just built houses and cities on. So if we say wilderness, when we're speaking, we're usually speaking like we go out to a place away from people and away from, you know, man-made structures and, and try and have some, some quiet time with only what was already here, Mother Earth. And in that, there's something very personal and powerful that begins to take place. Now, when I'm speaking about this whole planet is wilderness and all we've done is built houses and cities on it, I'm in the wilderness right now. This is, this is my wilderness. And so I do enjoy going off to a place where there are not man-made structures or other people and having that solo time, having that quiet time, like what you're explaining about the experience with the deer. And then connecting in a way with or having experiences that remind us of the big, vast life force that is here on our Mother Earth. It's not just humans. So then we have to go back kind of like to the to the stone people and and you know we have to say, okay, we have a whole history of this earth and and what is upon her and then human beings being introduced maybe somehow upon this planet and and where have we stewarded ourselves to on this planet over all those years? And what level of intelligence have we arrived at that we could lend forth to our children that would hold out for seven generations that would allow them to have not just an experience sitting alone in the wilderness, 
but an understanding of what the life force is and that you can be connected to that all the time, no matter where you are under any circumstance, always. You just really have to work for it. And then when you're walking down the sidewalk and you see that blade of grass come through, or when you're walking down the sidewalk and you hear this dog bark or you hear a, a raven call out or something like that, you're more attuned to the sounds and the ripples and influences of all the life force. You begin to see your wilderness through what has been placed upon. And that's kind of what has happened to our minds. That is kind of what has happened to our souls. Things have been placed upon. And so we have to go through that. Like I've said, go to that most beautiful unexplored terrain that you've ever been and go into that environment and get familiar with who you are spiritually and begin to understand how to develop your true self and to come to a place where no matter what, no matter where you are, knowing that you are your environment, you will always have this, this light coming out of your head in that way. And, you know, and I'm using that still as a metaphoric example because when every person goes inside and becomes their best and highest, only then can this collective connective that I'm talking about take place. And only when we deliberately go back to the very beginning of everyone's life that is coming into this planet and just gracefully allow them to remember who they are and not build all these buildings of other thought matter upon that and help educate in a true form under real laws like the laws of Mother Nature and see the parameters of what a law is, what a boundary is. And that sometimes, even when you're out there and there's a flash flood, that there's still choices, that there are still options. It's just a flash flood and there's nothing you can do about it except for on the inside. So Mother Earth allows us to experience real term law. Father Spirit allows us to understand real term law. The life force is that. There is a methodology to it. The humans have interacted, have tainted, and influenced, and we are experiencing the result of that. And guess what? It's okay. All we're doing is saying, oh, yeah. So we flip the light switch on. We're all getting busy. We're raising our vibrations. We're raising our frequencies. We're deliberately educating ourselves on the inside. We're renewing ourselves so that we can do this work on this planet and teach these children absolute truth. And what's interesting is everyone has a truth detector. Most people talk about things because they think they might believe it, but they might believe it because they were scared into it. And they might have never taken that up against their own truth detector to find out if it's really true. So it's best to check in and ask yourself questions about whether something is true or not. Because each and every person on this planet has a truth detector within them. We are innate beings. We have the ability to know and sense 
I know everyone understands this as I'm speaking it. It has happened to them. Get to know yourself. Operate from that. We are coming upon a time period where this collective connective will be so bright that out there in that motion space and time of all the verses, 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 <laughs> it's going to be noticed. Everyone will look and say, what is that bright light? And then we'll find out something very, very special. All right, there we have episode 11, A Puppet versus Master. Collective, connective. To be connective with myself upon this Mother Earth and Father Spirit. Then to be able to share my experiences with others. And perhaps they share their experiences with me. For me, that is collective connective. Sharing the moments that Spirit has impacted my life for the better has gifted me the opportunity to share. I believe if we all open ourselves up, like Hawk said... The beams of light shine, and we all connect. If you enjoy this podcast, please remember to share this with your loved ones, family, and friends. Give us a rating and follow us so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Thanks again for listening, and much love, and God bless. Mm -hmm.